bless the Bible study as we open up your word, as we look at the passage tonight. Lord, I pray that you would please uh, help this to be a night uh, that we can learn and grow uh, about the subject we'll be talking about tonight. Father, we love you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Matthew uh, chapter number 17. And like I said already, we uh, already dealt with the first part of Matthew 17. Tonight we'll be dealing with the uh, second part of Matthew 17. And I'm going to do my best to kind of go through the whole thing, but I, I may not go through the whole thing because uh, I'm, I'm mainly going to focus on one uh, uh, unique thing. To, tonight's sermon uh, is going to be different than, than our, our usual Bible study type sermon. Usually we go verse by verse through the passage tonight. I want to deal with, with a, a specific subject, so in a lot of ways this may feel more like a Sunday morning uh, sermon, but that's okay. Uh, you know, uh, we're always learning God's Word, but I, I want you to notice uh, verse number 14, Matthew 17, 14, the Bible says, And they were come to the multitude, when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. This man, if you remember, Jesus has just taken Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration. They came down, they had a conversation about uh, who it was that was to come, Elias, John the Baptist, we dealt with all those things last week. And then this man comes to Jesus asking healing for his son. And he says, uh, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and off into the water. Notice verse 16. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. So, the disciples uh, here have encountered something that they could not handle. Remember, this man comes to Jesus asking for healing, but this man had initially asked his disciples, uh, probably while Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, this man had initially asked the disciples that were left there for help with the healing of this young man, and they were not able to help. Notice verse 17. Notice Jesus' response. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? Now, here, the man thought that his son was a lunatic, or vexed, and all these things. Jesus understood the problem was that the problem was that he was demon possessed. He had a devil in him, and Jesus cast the devil out. And I'm not preaching about this, but you better believe that there are people that are under demon oppression today. And and just like the dad, we may say, oh, they're just crazy, or they just got a sickness. But look, these things did not just go away after the New Testament ended. Uh, so here they're dealing with a spiritual warfare, not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And they were not the disciples were not able to uh, remove what they had encountered. They were not able to overcome what they had encountered. They asked Jesus, why could we not cure him? Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus responds, look at verse 17 again. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Now notice verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, notice, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, which a grain of mustard seed would be a way for them to say, if you just had a small amount of faith, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove 
hands to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? Now I want you to notice verse 21. How be it this kind? Do you see that? That phrase, this kind, is letting us know that this was not a normal encounter in, 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 in the sense of what the disciples had encountered in the past. He said, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? Why could they not cure the young child? Jesus already said, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of faith. Now you understand this, in the Christian life, faith is the primary word, the primary thing. Faith is what saves us, but there's more than just being saved by faith. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith, and we walk by faith. And everything in the Christian life has this idea of faith. Everything we do, if you did not have faith that God was real, you would not go out soul winning. You would not bring your tithes and offerings. You wouldn't even be here on a Wednesday night if it wasn't that you believed that there was a God that wrote a Bible that you need to learn and study. Now he says, the problem is your lack of faith. He said, oh, faith is in reverse generation. He said, because of your unbelief. But the remedy for this kind, notice what he says, how be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And in the same way, you, you understand this, this concept of this kind of trouble is all throughout Scripture. Now, I don't, I don't want you to turn to these passages because it's Wednesday night and we've got to be out of here in a short amount of time. But if you're taking notes, maybe you can jot down these references and you can study them out on your own. But here's what you need to understand, okay? The disciples were encountering something that in the past they had encountered. They had encountered devils in the past and they had uh, healed people in the past. But this time, this time, it was different. This time, they could not overcome it. This time, they could not uh, uh, deal with it. This time, they were at a lost. This time, they were confused. This time, they weren't able to do. And you got to understand, this, this concept is seen all throughout the Bible. If you're taking notes tonight, um, you might remember this. David went through a this kind of trouble. Remember when David lost his son due to his sin in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 and 23. We're not going to take time to read it. You can jot it down and study it on your own if you'd like. But David had encountered a David, this warrior, who had killed the lion, and who had killed the bear, and who had killed Goliath, and who had killed Many Philistines has now encountered a situation where because of his own sin, God had taken the life of his child. And he had this, this kind of situation where he didn't really know what to do or how to deal with it or how to handle it. King Jehoshaphat went through this kind of trouble. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verses 1-3. through 3, if you remember, the children of Moab and the children of Ammon were coming to battle against King Jehoshaphat and he did not know exactly what to do or how to deal with it. If you remember, Ezra went through a this kind of trouble. In Ezra chapter number 8, verses 21 through 23, we read of Ezra's this kind of trouble when he had to request of the king who had taken them captive, the king, who was their slave owner, he was requesting of the king, not only permission, but the provision, to be able to go back to his native country, and rebuild the temple, it was kind of a situation that Ezra did not know how it was going to turn out, did not know how to deal, and for Ezra, that was a this kind of situation, in Ezra chapter number 8, verses 21, and verses 23, do you remember Esther, she went through a this kind of trouble, 
Esther had to go to, again, the king of the captive nation. And, and, and just her going and approaching the king could have meant that she'd be put to death. In Esther chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. And Esther had a this kind of situation where she kind of just didn't know how to deal with it. Didn't know how it was going to turn out. Didn't know how to overcome it. Now here's the, here's the common denominator of all those examples that I gave you. And the common denominator of the example of the disciples that we saw in Matthew 17. They all had a situation where in the past they'd been victorious, in the past they'd uh, won, in the past they'd overcome, but now they were in a place where they were afraid, they were scared, they were confused, they did not know what to do, they did not know if it was going to turn out, they said we've cast out demons in the past, we've cast out devils before, we've healed people before, but why were we not able to cast out this devil and help this child and, and, and heal this person? It was just kind of a this kind of situation. And they all, in all those stories, they all did the same thing that Jesus prescribed for His disciples, and that was, they fasted. They fasted. Now you need to understand this. In the same way that Esther and Jehoshaphat and, and uh, Ezra and David and the disciples, in the same way that they all encountered a this kind of problem, that required them to increase their faith. Because remember, what was the problem? Their lack of faith. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. That required them to grow. In the same way that they all encountered problems, that maybe in the past they dealt with it, in the past they conquered it, in the past they were victorious over it, but now it was kind of bigger than what they were used to, and not really knowing how to deal with it, and not really knowing what to do with it. In the same way that they all come across situations that are that kind of, this kind of situation, you need to understand this. You and I, from time to time, will come up with situations that we just really don't know. What do we do? I mean, how do I deal with this? I don't understand. I, 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 I've done this before, but it's not working out now. I don't know what the this kind in your life could be. The this kind in your life could be a health issue. I don't know. Maybe a health issue you're dealing with, or the health issue that a loved one you have is dealing with, where you're kind of just, I, I, I've had struggles before, and I've had problems before, and I haven't doubted my faith before, but it just seems like this kind, and this time, I just don't know how to overcome it. Maybe the this kind in your life is financial problems. Maybe you're losing your job, or you're losing your home. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe this kind in your life could be relationship problems with a spouse or with a child. With a friend. Maybe the, this kind in your life is just a sin problem. A sin that you can't get victory over. A sin that it seems like no matter how much you try, you can't overcome. I, I don't know what it is in your life. And I don't know what it may be in my life in the future. But I, I know this. From time to time, we will all encounter a this kind of situation. That maybe in the past we were victorious over. But this time, we're just kind of scratching our heads and saying, Jesus, why, why couldn't we heal this young guy? Why couldn't we overcome this? And the answer is always the same. Fast. Whatever it is in your life, if anything has ever left you, if you've ever encountered anything that you felt like, I don't really know how to handle this one, or I don't really know why I'm not overcoming this one, or I don't really know. I had financial problems before, and I just they just kind of worked out, and it just seems like this one's lingering. We've had marriage problems in the past, and we're kind of able to just overcome them, but it seems like this one, we can't really cast it out, and we can't really get it going, and we can't really overcome it. I just, it just seems like this kind is not something we can do. What, if you ever felt like that, then you're having a this kind type of problem. 
And I'll tell you exactly what the problem is. Your unbelief. And my unbelief. And our lack of faith. But according to Jesus, the solution is always the same. As it was for Ezra, as it was for David, as it was for Esther, as it was for Jehoshaphat, as it was for uh, the, the disciples, and it'll be the same for you and me. The solution is prayer and fasting. Look at Matthew 17, look at verse 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. The idea is that prayer alone will not be enough. But you must add fasting to your prayers. Prayer and fasting. That's what I want to talk about tonight for just a few moments. About the subject of fasting. It's not something that Christians talk a lot about. Not something that churches talk a lot about. But it's something that the Bible talks a lot about. And, I, and just before we start, I just want to kind of fix a misconception that people have about fasting. Because I believe that most Christians today, as I talk to individuals, and I'm not talking about anyone specifically in this room, but as I just talk to people in general, I believe that most people have a really bad misconception about fasting. Most people think that fasting is like the secret weapon. You know, it's like, I ask Jesus to give me something, and if He doesn't, then I can pull out the fasting card. And it's just, and they have this idea, like, if you fast, and God's just going to do whatever you ask Him to do. Now listen, that is not true. Okay? The Bible says that our prayers are answered if we ask according to His will. Okay? The Bible says that our prayers are answered if we ask in faith. The Bible says that our prayers are answered if we ask believing. Okay? Fasting is not this secret weapon. Look, if, if fasting, uh, uh, you, you know, was just the key to get God to give me whatever, man, I would have fasted for a million dollars a long time ago. You know what I mean? I would have just fasted for anything, anything I needed. I'm just gonna fast, you know, and, and have a God answer. That's not how it works, okay? People have this idea like I'm really going through this hard trouble. And I really, I really need God to give me this job or give me this house or give me this deliverance or give me this whatever. So I'm gonna fast, and they almost kind of feel like if I fast, and God will really see how. I'm about this, and that is not what fasting is about. And uh, I, I want to just kind of teach you a little bit in regards to fasting. Uh, keep, keep your finger there, and, and watch. Well, go to Matthew chapter four. Go to Matthew chapter four. Let me give you a few rules in regards to fasting, just so you understand fasting a little bit. And if you got a, you're taking notes. These would be maybe good things to write down. Some rules about fasting. Let me give you some rules about fasting. Number one, and this is obvious, but I, I want you to see it. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 2, the Bible says, And when he had fasted 40 days, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered, okay? He was in hungered because he hadn't ate. I know that's basic, but we like to prove everything from the Bible. Fasting is abstaining from food and physical desires. So let's just make sure we all understand that. Fasting is abstaining from food and physical desires. When you go a period of time without eating, that is called a fast. Some of you woke up in the morning and you had a breakfast or a breakfast. Why is it called a breakfast? Because you broke your fast. You've been fasting all night long while you were sleeping and then you broke that fast, you know. So that's what the word means. Fast just means to not eat. And we fast every night and then you get up in the morning and you break your fast, okay? So fasting is simply no food, okay? No food. Now let me show you something else about fasting. You're there in Matthew chapter 4, look at verse uh, and verse 2. Go to Matthew chapter number 6, look at verse number 16. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 16. Not only, when it comes to fasting, not only are the rules no food, and Jesus wasn't hungered, 
But the rules are no telling anyone. You are not to tell people when you're fasting. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, the Bible says, Moreover, when ye fast, this is the Lord Jesus Christ teaching on the subject of fasting. He says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You go around telling people, you know, just looking like a mess. You walk into work, you walk in. What's wrong with you? I'm fasting. I'm so spiritual. I'm, how long have you been fasting for? 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Um, you know, fasting is not something that we do to kind of show people how spiritual we are. Notice what Jesus said. Look at verse 18. Well, um, well look at verse 17. But thou, when thou fastest, this is Jesus, how Jesus, He says, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face. He said, wash your face, and comb your hair. Verse 18. That thou appear not unto men to fast. He said, don't look like you're fasting. Look like you're normal. But unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sees, notice, thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And let me tell you something, I'd much rather have the open reward of my Heavenly Father than the open reward of a man thinking I'm spiritual because I skipped a meal. And he says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. So here are the rules for fasting. No food. And no telling anyone. You're not allowed to go around telling people that you're fasting. Okay? You're allowed to tell your spouse. And we'll talk about that in a second. Actually, let's talk about it now. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And you're also allowed to talk about it. And I'm not going to get into it tonight. You can just study this out on your own. If, if we were to call a... A, a, a public fast in the Bible they would call a solemn assembly and they would, a group of people would fast well within that group of people it's okay to obviously to realize that you're all fasting but it's not something we want to show off about or let people know about so when it comes to fasting here are the rules no food here are the rules no telling anyone and here are the rules no physical relationship between a husband and wife and by the way no physical relationship we, if you're not husband and wife with anyone ever for any reason, period. Okay, that's called fornication. But if you're married, you are to have no physical relationship while you're fasting. Are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7? Look at verse 4. The wife has no, not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband has not power over his own body, but the wife. Verse 5. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time. That ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, lest Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. What the Bible is teaching here is that when you are, the, uh, a husband and wife are to agree that they are not going to come together, except it be with consent, meaning you both agree on it, for a time. Okay? And by the way, I, I'm not preaching on marriage right now, but what this also teaches is that. The Bible says and the Bible teaches that a husband and wife ought to be willing to be with each other physically all the time. And I don't, I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense to me. And the only reason I know about it is because people talk to me. You know, people mention this kind of stuff. But, you know, this whole, like, I'm married and we haven't been together for months. But that's ridiculous, ladies or men or whoever it is in your relationship that's doing it. The Bible says that you are to come together physically, regularly. And ladies, I'm not trying to be crude, but if your husband wants to be with you, you be with him, okay? You quit those excuses. You say, I have a headache. Take an Advil, okay? Because that's what the Bible says. 
And you're causing them to be tempted, and I'm not excusing some guy being adulterous, but I'm telling you, the Bible says that you are to be with your husband when he wants you to be with him, and he is to be with you when you want him to be, because sometimes the problems are on the other side. But, but notice what it says, the wife has not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband, has not power of his own body, but the wife, meaning she owns you and he owns you, Defraud ye not another, except, he said, use the only time you can defraud each other physically, except to be recompensed for a time. That you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. Then Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Okay, so, stay there, stay there in 1 Corinthians. Actually, go, go one chapter back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to show you something. But let me give you some biblical examples of the time frames of fasting. I don't want you to turn to these because I'm, I'm, I'm already running out of time. Uh, this is why I preach these type of sermons on Sunday morning. Uh, but, but let me just give you uh, some biblical examples of time frames for fasting. Well, and I'm just giving you one example. There's multiple examples for these. But in the Bible, we find a one-day fast. Uh, if you want to jot this down, Judges chapter 20 and verse 26, there's an example of a one-day fast. And that one-day fast was till evening. So they fasted while, while it was considered day and when it was considered evening, then they were able to eat. In the Bible, there's an example of a three-day fast, Esther chapter 4 and verse 16. In the Bible, there's an example of a seven-day fast, First Chronicles chapter 10 and verse 12. In the Bible, there's an example of a 14-day fast, Acts chapter 27 and verse 33. And in the Bible, there's an example of a 40-day fast, Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 2. And of course, that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, Moses was the only other person in the Bible that fasted for 40 days. So, in the Bible, you have fasts that are, are short as one day and as long as 40 days. And to be honest with you, I don't believe that there are... Any hard rules uh, when it comes to choosing a time frame? Um, you know, choose something that, that would work for you if you were wanting to fast. But those are the, the, the different examples that are given in Scripture. Now, let's talk about what fasting is accomplishing, okay? And because this is a misconception, right? I fast so that I can get God to do whatever I want, okay? That is not the purpose for fasting. And if you want a, if you want a perfect example of, of that, look at David, David was fasting so that his son would not die. Did his son die? Yes. Did fasting change God's will on that? No. Okay, so fasting is not the secret, you know, key to unlock God's, you know, just whatever He wants you to do. Fasting, however, is something that God wants us to do, and there's a specific reason for it. And you need to understand what fasting is accomplishing in your life, okay? Number one, here's what you need to understand as far as what fasting is doing when you fast. The first thing you need to understand is this. You need to understand the problem of your flesh. You, under, you need to understand the problem that is your flesh. Are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Look at verse number 13. Now here we're talking about fornication, which is a sin. But notice, notice what the Bible says, okay? Meats. Right? Now in our King James Bible, the word meat is not what you and I think of when we think of meat. Okay, when we think of meat, we think of like an animal, okay? Um, that The Bible word for meat is flesh. When The Bible word for meat is just food. Whenever you see the Bible use the word meat, it's just talking about food. When it uses the word flesh, then it's talking about what you and I would call meat today. But here, he's saying meat for the belly, and the belly for meat. Here's what he's saying. Food is for your stomach, and your stomach is for food. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now notice this. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now here's what's interesting. And, and, and you might have read this in the past and thought, what does food and the belly have to do with fornication. But here's what you need to understand. Satisfying the flesh, which that is what fornication is, 
is a sinful satisfying of the flesh. My flesh has a desire, it's a sin, it's wrong, but I'm going to fulfill that desire and, and it's wrong. Satisfying the fleshly desires is often pictured in Scripture as feeding your belly. That's why he said, meats for the belly and belly for the meat. And then, and then in that context, he brings up this idea of the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He's saying, look, if you got, he said, if you've got some fleshly desire, then go have a meal, but don't fornicate. That's what he's saying. And he's kind of equating these ideas. And let me, let me give you some more examples in regards to that. Go to Galatians chapter 5. You're there in 1 Corinthians. If you go past 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and go to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. I'm going to do my best to get you out of here by 8.15, but if, I, if we go a little over, I'll just owe it to you, okay? I won't charge you overtime, I'll just let it slide. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 17, some of you guys are not paying attention. That was funny. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Look at it. First, second Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Look what it says. For the flesh, for the flesh lusteth, the word lust means desire. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do things that ye would. Here's what the Bible is teaching. Your flesh is contrary to your spirit. Your spirit wants one thing. Your new man wants one thing. Your flesh wants something else. Your new man, your spirit is... Your flesh is lusting against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh. These are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You ever want to do something right, and your spirit wants to do it, but your flesh said, no, 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 we're not. I want to go to church on Wednesday night, but your flesh says, no, I want to stay home. I want to go soul winning on Saturday, but your flesh says, no, I don't, I don't want to go soul I want to go barbecue. You're, I want to read my Bible, but the flesh says, no, you want to check Facebook. You know, that, that's the fight that we have within our body. You have a, if you're saying, you have a new man and you have an old man, and they're constantly at odds with each other. Go back to Romans, Pat, before 1 Corinthians, Romans chapter number 7. Let me show you this. Even a little uh, further. The Apostle Paul talked about it. Romans chapter number 7. Look at verse number 15. Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. Notice what Paul said about this. Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. Did you catch what... And, and by the way, other than Jesus Christ and John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul was probably the greatest Christian who ever lived. Aside from John the Baptist, because Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived. But aside from John the Baptist, I mean, you can't find a person in the Bible that did more for the cause of Christ and for your own personal salvation than the Apostle Paul. And notice what Paul says. He says, for that which I do, he says, the things that I do, I allow not. Here's what he's saying. I tell people not to do things, and then I do what I, what I did not allow them to do. Notice what he says. For I would, for, for what I would, now that word there means... What I'm wanting to do, what my will is to do, he says, for what I would, that do I not. That's, that's you skipping your Bible reading. I wanted to read, I don't know why I skipped. I wanted to go so many, I don't know why I started. I wanted to come to church on Sunday night, I don't know why I stayed home and watched TV. I wanted, he says, for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, he says, the things that I hate, that do I. I then, if then, I do that which I would not. He said, if then I do that which I would not. He said, if I do the things that I don't want to do, I consent unto the law that it is good. 
Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, it's not me doing it, it's sin. Now, it seems like a cop-out, but there's a spiritual theology there. And the fact is, it's not my new man, my new man, my spiritual man, doesn't sin. It's just my old man. It's just this flesh that I kind of am living with. It's that guy that keeps doing these things. He says, he says if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto law, that it is good, verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. You see that? In me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is uh, good I find not. And I believe that God specifically had Paul write these letters because you and I, if I said this, you'd just say, ah, you're just a loser. If I said this, if you said this, I'd be like, ah, you need to just buck up. But Paul says this and we're like, what, Paul? You struggle with sin? And there's people that go around today saying, I don't struggle with sin, I'm perfect, I've done this, I've done that. Look, if Paul struggled with sin, you struggle with sin. He says, for I know that in me, verse 18, that is in my flesh, was no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which I which is good, I find not. Verse 19. For the good that I would. He said, the good things that I want to do, I do not. But the evil which I would not. He says, the bad things that I don't want to do, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. He said, every time I want to do good, there's something in me that wants to do bad. Verse 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He says, the inward man delights in the law of God. The inward man, the new man, the spiritual man, he wants to hear the Bible. He wants to go to church. He wants to do good things. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Verse 23, But I see another law in my members. Is that word members? The word members means body parts. He says, the inward man wants to do good. But then I see another law in my body parts. Notice, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Now notice what he says, verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now notice what he says. He says, my problem is my body. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Go to Romans chapter 16. Look at verse 18. Romans 16. We, we have a problem between our flesh and our spirit. There is a war inside of you between your flesh and your spirit, is what the Bible says. And remember, we saw in 1 Corinthians that it is often equated to your belly. Let me give you some examples where it's further equated to your belly. Romans 16, verse number 18. Romans 16 and verse 18. The Bible says this, For they that are such... Serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. So here are the people that do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are they serving? Look, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Do you see that? And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. He's talking about false preachers here. He said they're not serving Jesus. They're serving their own belly. Remember that. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 19. You're there in Romans, go past 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Past 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. He said they're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but here's who they are serving, their own belly. Look at Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 19. Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19, the Bible says, Whose end is destruction, notice, notice, whose God is their belly. And whose glory is 
believers in their shame who mind earthly things. You say, why is God equating people not serving Jesus to serving their own belly or not serving the God of the Bible, but their God is their belly? Why is He equating uh, fornication to, to, to eating something? And here's what you need to understand. My belly has a physical desire every day it wants to eat. And God equates that to the fact that our flesh has a physical desire that it wants to fulfill on a regular basis. See, you need to understand this battle between the flesh and the spirit. But secondly, you need to understand the concept of denying your flesh. Go with me just real quickly to the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark chapter 8 verse 34. We'll see this quickly. Jesus Christ said this, you're you're familiar with it, but let's just look at it real quick. Mark chapter number 8, look at verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus gave this as a qualification for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when He had called the people unto Him, with His disciples also, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, I want you to see this. He said unto them, Whosoever will come after Me, do you see that? Here's a question. Whosoever will come after me, let him, notice this, deny himself. Saying, you want something, but you're going to have to deny what you want and take up his cross, which means putting your desires and your wants to death and follow me. Now listen to me. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to be very real with you as your pastor. Some of you are saved and praise the Lord for it. But some of you will never be a disciple of Jesus Christ because you cannot deny yourself. See, to be a follower of Christ, to come after Him, to be His disciple, it means you have to do what He wants. So that means on Saturday morning, you do what He wants you to do, not what you want to do. That means that every day you get up and you say, it's not about me. I'm going to deny my flesh. I'm going to deny what I want. God, what do you want me to do? Look, if you ask God, on a, if you're, you're sitting there at home, you got the football game on, and you're debating, should I go to church on Sunday night or should I stay home? If you honestly got on your knees and said, God, what would you like me to do on Sunday night? Would you like me to go to church and fellowship with God's people and hear the word preached? Or would you like me to sit here and watch a football game? What do you really think God's going to say to you? I mean, honestly, let's just logic together like we're talking about on Sunday morning. See, here's why you, 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 you say, well, I, I'm not really consistent with soul winning. Because you're in charge, not Jesus. It's plain and simple. Say, I, well, I, I try to go soul winning, I don't make it. Because there's someone else in charge of you and your schedule, and it's not Him. Because if it was Him, and you were coming after Him, you would deny yourself. I mean, that's what the, I'm not trying to hurt your feeling. Look, you, you, you say, well, can I be a part of this church and not be a follower? Absolutely. But you need to understand that being saved doesn't make you a disciple. Being a disciple means you deny yourself. You deny your flesh. You have a desire. You have a will. You have something you want to do, but you say, I'm going to put that desire and that will on the cross, and I'm going to do what He tells me. That's what a disciple is. Jesus taught that denying yourself was a prerequisite to be a disciple. Go back, go, go to Ezra in the, in the Old Testament. We gotta, we gotta hurry this up. Ezra chapter 8. In the Old Testament, if you can find all the first and seconds, remember there's first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles? If you find all those first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, the very next book is Ezra, okay? Ezra in the Old Testament, you got first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, then you got the book of Ezra. And by the way, that, that works with everything. Wake up on Sunday morning and I, uh, on Monday morning and ask God, God, what would you like me to do today? Would you like me to read the Bible? 
and spend time in prayer, or would you like me to go on Facebook? What do you think God's going to say? Honestly. Okay? First, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. Ezra. Ezra chapter 8. Let me show you something about a fast, okay? Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21, here we have a, one of those public fasts that we were talking about. Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. Notice what he says. Then I proclaim the fast. Talking about Ezra. Then I proclaim the fast there at the river of Ahava. Notice. That we might afflict ourselves. You see that? What's the purpose of the fast? To afflict ourselves before our God. To seek Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. Ezra was in this kind of situation. He had to go to the king and ask for permission and provision to go build a temple. He said, it's very unlikely that this is going to work out in our favor. But if God wants us to do this, I don't see how I'm going to overcome this. I don't see how I'm going to get this done. But if God wants me to do it, you know what? I think this kind cometh only by prayer and fasting. So he said, let's fast. Why are you going to fast, Ezra? That we might afflict ourselves. Now, if you're fasting, what are you doing? You're going hungry. So you're afflicting your what? Your belly. Your desire. Go to Psalms 69. You're there in, in Ezra. Go past Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. You're there in Ezra. Go past Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. Go to Psalm 69. Look at verse 10. Psalm 69 and verse 10. Psalm 69 and verse 10. Notice what the psalmist said. He said, When I wept and chastened. The word chastened means... Uh, you know, a father chastens his, his child when he's correcting a child. He said, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. See, fasting is kind of like a punishment that you're giving yourself. You're chastening your soul. That was to my reproach. You're afflicting yourself. You say, why, why do you do that? Go, go to John. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Here's what you need to understand. Most of your problems, and let me rephrase that. All of your problems and all of my problems are a flesh problem. If there is a sin, there is an addiction, there is a struggle, you can't control your mouth, you say things you shouldn't say, you can't control your temper, you can't you know, get up in the morning, you're lazy, whatever it is, all of that comes back to my flesh is stronger than my spirit. My spirit wants to hold its tongue, but my flesh just really wants to say that mean thing to my spouse. You understand that? My new man wants to get up early and spend time in prayer with God, but my flesh wants to be lazy. Every problem we have, you can't control your money, it's because of your flesh. You're broke all the time, it's because you're not budgeting, because you're not controlling your finances, it's because you have a desire, you want to spend something you don't have, so you put it on debt. It's all, it goes back, every problem you have in life goes back to an unchecked flesh. It's your old man causing all your problems. And fasting is an exercise in controlling your flesh. Because if you can tell your stomach when it's growling and it's hungry, no, we're not going to eat, we're going to wait 24 hours and then we will eat, or we're going to wait 6 hours and then we will eat, or we're going to wait 3 days and then we will eat, Does, I, I know you're hungry, I know you have a desire, but you're not running the show. You understand that? If you can tell yourself, I'm not going to eat, then you can tell yourself, I'm not going to fornicate. And there are some people that can't stop themselves from sitting because they can't stop themselves from eating. And the, 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 the subject of fasting is that of learning to deny yourself. 
And here's the thing. Honestly, you say, I can't control my spending. Start fasting. You learn to control your appetite, you'll learn how to control your finances. You'll go to a checkout and you'll say, I really want that, but I'm not going to do it. We'll do it next week when we have the money. That's what you learn when you fast. It's an exercise in self-discipline. Now notice what happens. Remember, all of this was going, remember whose God is their belly, they don't serve the Lord, they serve their belly. It all represented our desires of our flesh. Are you there in John chapter 7? Look at verse 38. Notice what Jesus said. Now this is before the, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Okay? So you got to understand the context. John chapter 7 and verse 38 says this, He that believeth on me, as the, as the scripture hath said, out of his, notice his word, belly. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Here he says, I want something to flow out of your belly, and it's rivers of, li- of living water. You say, what is that referring to? Verse 39. But this he spake of the Spirit. So what is the rivers of uh, the the, the rivers of living water that He wants to flow through your belly. It's the Spirit. Capitalized Spirit. The Holy Spirit. But this spake He of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive. Now, at this point, believers, because He had not died yet, and He had not given, the, the Comforter had not come yet, um, so they had not been indwelt by the Spirit. So He's talking about a future tense. But this spake He of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should not receive, for the Holy Ghost will not yet give it, because that Jesus has not yet been glorified. Okay, so here's the point. God wants the Spirit to flow through your belly. And as you learn to control your belly, as you learn to deny your belly, as you learn to afflict yourself, as you learn to chasten yourself, if you say, I'm going to get this sin problem under control, so I'm going to chasten myself before God has to chasten me, then He says the Spirit will be able to flow through that belly. You don't have to turn here. Uh, we'll go to Romans chapter 8. While you go to Romans, let me read for you out of Galatians, and, and, and we'll be done tonight. Romans chapter 8. And let me read for you out of Galatians as you turn there. Romans chapter 8. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, so you say, I, I'm fulfilling the lust of the flesh. If you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you're not walking in the Spirit. Because if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Remember, they're contrary to each other. Are you there in Romans chapter 8? Look at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. There will never be a condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Skip down to verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, if you're walking in the flesh, you're not walking in the Spirit. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not walking in the flesh. If you are denying your belly, then the Spirit can flow through that belly. But if you are serving your belly, then the Spirit will not flow through that belly. Imagine what could happen. I'm not talking about Christianity. I'm not talking about Christendom. I'm not talking about other people out there. I'm talking about everyone in this room right now. Just you and me. Imagine what would happen in your marriage, or in your parenting, or in your finances, or in your soul winning, or in your management at work, or in your temper, or in your whatever it is that you're... Whatever that this kind that you just don't know how to deal with. Imagine what would happen. If you learned how to control your appetites. Because as you fast, you begin to discipline yourself to say, no, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm going to do this. And as you exercise in that, then in your life you can say, no, no, you know, that lady at work is giving you more attention than she should be giving you, and, and that may lead to a bad... But someone who is in control of their spirit says, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to spend that. I'm not going to go... And here's, here's the thing. As the Spirit flows through you, the Bible, the Bible says this, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You want access to God's power? You let the Spirit flow through you. You'll have access to it. And your faith will begin to increase. And I'm not saying that God's going to give you everything you ask for. This is not prosperity gospel. I'm not saying, you know, you start fasting and God's going to... He may not give you the desires of your heart, but I promise you... He will allow you and give you the strength and you will increase in your faith to learn how to deal with it and go through that trial and go through that health issue and go through that struggle. Here's the question I have for you. And I don't want you to answer this out loud. But have you ever fasted? you ever tried it? If you haven't, I would like, I would encourage you to fast. Now, now listen, let me just say this because I don't want to get stupid. Some of you have medical issues, okay, check that out with your doctor or whatever, okay? You know, you got uh, problems and you can't go a time without fasting. I'm not telling you to fast. You're pregnant, obviously, you probably shouldn't be fasting. But if you are able and healthy and able to, I would challenge you, why, why don't you try fasting? Maybe you're not going to do, look, don't do a 40-day fast, okay? <laughs> you got to build up to that, right? Maybe it's just, maybe maybe all it is is you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to take uh, this certain day and I'm going to not have lunch on that day, and that hour that I usually spend on that lunch break, I'm going to spend that hour on my knees praying to God. Maybe you'll say, I'm going to take a 12-hour period from the moment I get up till even, and I'm going to not fast that day and learn to control my appetites. Maybe you'll take a full 24-hour period. Maybe you'll take a 3-day period. Maybe you'll take a 7. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, if you've never fasted before, wouldn't you try it? And you say, well, I don't, I don't know what to fast. Hey, you know what would be a good, a good reason to fast this upcoming soul winning marathon? Imagine what God would do in us if, if the spirit, if the flesh was weakened and the spirit was just flowing. What God would do out in our soul when God would do in our midst. You say, Pastor, do you have to fast? You don't have to fast. The Bible never commands you to fast. But I'm telling you this. From time to time, there are situations that you're going to come up to that it's just kind of a this kind of situation. And you're just kind of like, I've dealt with this in the past, but I just didn't struggle with it like I'm struggling with it now. Or I just didn't have an issue with it like I'm having an issue with it now. Or I, I was able to overcome it before, but this time I'm just kind of don't know. Why didn't, why didn't he get healed, Jesus? And I'm just telling you, from time to time, you're going to come up with those situations. And every once in a while, when you get that this kind, it cometh out only by prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be able to study the subject of fasting tonight. And I know it wasn't a verse-by-verse Bible study like we normally do on on Wednesday night. And in in some ways, it might have felt more like a Sunday morning uh, sermon. But, Father, I pray that you trust the, the content and Lord, I, I, I truly believe that if, if someone would take time on their busy schedules to be in church on a Wednesday night, they love you. And they want to learn the Bible. And they want to increase their faith, and they want to draw closer to you. And Lord, I would ask that you would, maybe somebody here tonight, maybe there's somebody here who hasn't tried fasting in a while, or has never fasted. Maybe they would just set a goal and say, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a time. Maybe there's somebody here struggling with a sin that they can't overcome. I would encourage you to learn to fast. Learn to deny yourself of food and you'll be able to deny yourself of other things. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be a people of fasting. I didn't go through the verses. I didn't have time to. But all throughout the Bible it says, 
The time to fast was when Jesus is not with us. They would ask Jesus' disciples, why, why, do you fast? why don't you fast? And he said, well, Jesus is with us, but, but he's not with us now. And the time is now to fast. Help us to become a people who will fast. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen.